listen to the good news proclaimed in the gospel according to St. Luke, uh, reading from chapter 6, verses 37 to 42. Glory to Christ our Savior. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured onto your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. He also told them this parable, Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A student is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. This is the gospel of Christ. Praise to Christ our Lord. So Lord, as we reflect on your scripture, particularly on your early church, Lord, we, we pray that you speak into our hearts. In your name we pray. Amen. So the men haven't been comparing notes about uh, the babysitting, but uh, with Mandy away, I thought... I take last night to indoctrinate my children. We started watching Star Wars, which we'll try and finish off before she gets back. Episode 4. <laughs> Had to explain the whole context there. Man, he's got no patience for Star Wars. So, um, uh, This week, I was just uh, thumbing through a Joy magazine. I think it, it's, uh, it's an old one, 2012, from Kathy's office collection. And there's an advert here for a, for a church that says... Contending for a Supernatural Book of Acts Church. And it just reminded me of, of when I was uh, a student. I had some mates who said, that, you know, they were Anglicans, and they said, no, we're ducking. We're going to another church, which I won't mention, because this is like a Book of Acts church. And being a slightly cynical fellow, I thought, well, what part of Acts are these guys after? Because uh, is it the sexual licentiousness we come across in Corinthians? Uh, mentioned in Acts 18, 19, or do they want the bondage to the law that we read about in Acts 16 to the Church of Galatia? Or are they perhaps looking for a divided leadership, like the fight between Paul and Barnabas that we come across in Acts 18? Or do they want their leaders stoned, like we saw in Acts chapter 7? I don't think they wanted any of that. I think, I think when people say, I want a book of Acts church, they're thinking about Acts chapter 2 miraculous signs and just everybody uh, sharing uh, or having all things in common. So, so my wife uh, often uh, criticizes me for capitalist tendencies and I think this is her way of saying, look, you must preach on something that's going to be very challenging to yourself. <laughs> and it is a challenging scripture because we read they were of one heart and soul. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own. But they shared everything they had. There were no needy persons among them. That is challenging. That is challenging. Well, they do say that, uh, that if you really want to look into someone's heart, you must first examine their wallet. Um, and uh, we live in a different society, and, and we find these things difficult. We, we, we keep an electric fence to differentiate between what is ours and, and, and what you, help, you can help yourself to. No, don't, don't help yourself to stuff on this side of my fence there. Imagine that, like, it's like I drop my phone 
and then I know, Jeff picks it up and says, oh, geez, I wanted an iPhone 5, and he puts his BlackBerry down and puts my phone in his pocket, you know, and then like uh, I grab somebody's car key and head home and leave my bicycle. You know, it would just be a very interesting kind of thing. I mean, imagine when we did the car park and we just sent out a mail saying, guys, just send in your bank statements and we'll just, uh, we'll send back saying this is how much you can contribute, you know. I would empty the church flat out. <laughs> So when you read Acts chapter 2, there is a danger that you think, no, this thing is irrelevant. And that would be a shame. Um, it's such a radical passage that it scares most people. They just like phase out. So there's another way to, to get to this passage. And I'm really going to talk about what it means to us and to our salvation. I'm going to try and sort of sneak in through the back door. And I'm going to do it by, by talking about the doctrine of two-pillar theology. I've, I made it up. So uh, um, that's why you haven't heard about it. But let me just introduce it to you right now. Okay, you see my two pillars on the, on the... Okay, guys, I must say up front, this is a very marked product. They're not paying me for this. And I don't feel bad because they need the turnover. I've seen their numbers. They're shocking. <laughs> but this happens to... I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not known as a master chef, but, but this is my favorite pillar, the Shogun pillar. It is a machine. Stay away from the fingers because it'll just... Choo, gone. Everything it, it, uh, is, is gone. The, the difficulty with this peeler is that you cannot buy it without this peeler. I find that so frustrating. 100 rand gets you both. But this thing I think is pretty useless. I mean I've never really, look at, it's not useless enough for me to throw away. I mean I keep it there but it just doesn't get a lot of use. This guy's useful, useless. So the two theology tells us about salvation. Most people think of salvation as reconciliation between us and God. That is the nice pillar. Let's have the next slide there. That is true. We see pictures of the cross breaching the gap between us and our Lord. And that is what salvation is about. It's about right relationship with God. That is not incorrect. That's correct but it is not complete. The best way to see our salvation is through the triangle. I put smelly convert because, because not, not all people who come to the Lord are, 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 are like us, face it, you know. Um, I've also been somebody else's smelly convert. It's just, you know, we don't always reconcile with people who are with us in fellowship. But this conversion is not an individual game. You are saved into the church. You're not saved into a relationship with Jesus. The church has the relationship. You are saved into the church. When you get baptized, baptized is, baptism is the sacrament by which you belong and you are, uh, die to yourself and you're raised with Christ. You get baptized in a, in a service. You know, the, the notion of having like your own private baptism is just not correct. You get baptized in a church into a community of believers. It's a package deal. You get Jesus, and then you get me. You know, you know what I mean? And that's what makes salvation so tricky. Gandhi said, Jesus is ideal and wonderful. But you Christians, you are not like him. And there's some people we meet in church that are just plain off-putting. I mean, I've been a Christian for 29 years. And then this period, I've met many Christians who just, I think, you, 
you are, you are challenging me, you know. Grace is being challenged in me because of you. And some people, unfortunately, have said the same about me. They say, you, you know, uh, you, you, make, uh, you make me challenge grace. So if somebody says, gee, I love Jesus, and I, I have a deep commitment, but I just don't believe in going to church, that is not correct. It's a package deal. You, you get Jesus with the church. That is the deal. And that is the two-pillar theology. You cannot just have the one pillar. You cannot just say, I have a relationship with Jesus, I just don't go to church. What kind of relationship is that? You know, it's like I'm, it's like I'm married, but I live on a different continent. Yeah, I know. Someone's got to explain that to me. It, uh, it doesn't work. Salvation is about the restoration of God's creation for its intended purpose. We know that God has made us in His image. But what is this image? Well, we know that it's first and foremost about communion. Three persons, one being. That's what we say of God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three persons, but we call, we have, there's, the Lord our God is one. It's such a tight communion that there's one being. The image of God is something we possess as a collective. I don't have it on my own. Salvation is about the church echoing and mirroring the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that's a relationship between us. We as a church have to have unity. Uh, that's the work of the Spirit. brings us together. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit it brings us together in that unity. We become many persons, one church. And that is being restored to the image of God. Scripture tells us about this. We start Scripture with the Garden of Eden. It's a, it's a, it's a picture of community. Adam and Eve with God in the garden before Eve ate them out of house and home. Scripture ends with Revelation, Revelation 21, and, 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 and the new Jerusalem, uh, and uh, they see the river, and the place of the Lord is with his people. He is in the midst of them in the new Jerusalem. You can't say, oh, can I have a small holding you know, just outside? I just want a bit of peace and quiet. That's not what Revelation 21 is about. It's about the community. That is the restoration. We are in it together. Uh, you, me, and the smelly convert. That is the, that is the theology of the two pillars. We are all in it together. That is the miracle of salvation. So when Paul says, work out your salvation in fear and trembling, it is often that journey of learning to love and... and uh, and appreciate other people. That can be more miraculous than a healing. In some cases, than raising someone from the dead. So when we look at this uh, passage in Acts chapter 2, what we're really seeing is the Lord speaking into their hearts through the power of the Spirit. I don't think there was like a decree saying, guys, we're pulling our cash today. I don't think it came like that. We've made a decision. We think this is a good idea. Particularly the people without cash, they made two votes because they think we should pop it in there together. I, I think what happened was that through the power of the Spirit, I saw you through the eyes of Jesus and I saw your need and I responded to that. I think that's what's happened. Um, Hillsong, they've got that great song that says, Break my heart with what breaks yours. You know that song? Yeah, I think that's what's happened here. You know, the, they were just caught up with the Lord and they just suddenly thought, Hey, I can see your need. And I can meet that need. So I'm going to do that. The Holy Spirit got their list of priorities in life and just reordered it. 
It, it reminds me of uh, when I was at St. Elizabeth's, where, where Harry Steve is now. Um, uh, we, we used to have these council meetings, and, and all we did for things we wanted to buy, we just had like a wish list, you know. And we just, at every meeting, we just reprioritized and then spent what we could afford. I mean, it makes sense. Only spend what you can afford and spend on what you want. And something could come in new, and you could just, like, it could make it right to the top of the list. You just think, wow, this is cool. We want a mirror ball in church, and that is just, that's going right to the top of the list. Um, or a smoke machine. Uh, we, we've got to get one of those. Um, but, but, you know, that's the meeting of the minds. And, and we all have similar kind of, I mean, some of us are painful uh, people, and we write down lists, and I'm one of them. But some of you got a subconscious list. You know, you, you work out... I've got like a little list of things I'd like to get from me to me, you know. Um, and priorities in our life, you know, I, I need to pay for the food before I go and buy a One Direction ticket for 2,000 Rand, you know. That is, that is some of the priorities that we have. Um, I didn't get, by the way, I, I really tried and I, I got there too late. So I'm, I'm next Easter, I'm only going One Direction. <laughs> But that's what happens. The Lord comes in there and just changes the priorities. And I think it takes, you know, it, it just takes a, a rational person to think, oh, I'm going to, I mean, Maslow was keen on this. I'm going to feed myself before I buy my Ducati. You know, that's sensible. Because you, you can't be starving and ride a motorbike. But, and also, you know, it's, I want to put my kids ahead of myself. But then when you start putting your neighbor ahead of something for your kids, that is the power of God intervening on that list and changing it. That's, that's the Spirit saying, hey, I, I prompt you to do something sacrificial. It's not ourselves. That's the Spirit of God. And I think Acts chapter 2 is saying to us, just say more of you, Lord. Give me your vision for those in this church. Maybe those I don't even, haven't seen before. Help me to know them and know their needs. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1. Let me just turn there. It's a great, uh, it just gives us a great image. In chapter 1 verse 18, where, where, where Paul is saying, I pray that the eyes of your heart, and that's really the, the, the message. The, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. And that's really what we ask as we respond to this. Lord, enlighten the eyes of my heart to the needs of of my brothers and sisters. We might say that we're not an Acts 2 kind of church. You know, people might, I don't know, Joy Magazine are not writing articles about us. Um, but, uh, but I've seen it. I've been here three years from the 8th of May as my third anniversary here. And I've seen it. I've seen examples of people who've treated each other with love and grace that I just think that is the Spirit of God working in this uh, community. And, and I guess this passage is saying, well, let's ask the, the Lord for more of that. Let's, let's lay stuff down and walk outside. And for someone who is controlled and, and planned, like me, I find that difficult. But the thing that points out to me is that, that we, salvation is us as a community. There is no other plan. Now, um, and I don't want to speak ill of the accountants here. Okay, so apologies. Accountants have these wonderful things called provision provision accounts. And if the year is going badly, we're going to provide for sadness. Okay? Because we're just going to get the profit down so next year we look a bit better. Okay? So everything's going to this provision account, that provision account. 
And then all of a sudden, like, you know, if you're getting close to the goal at the end, all of a sudden it's like, well, you can hear these doors opening and the accountants are pulling out the provision accounts and then like, wow, we're there, we made it. You think, oh, I don't know where that profit came from. No, we provided for this. Um, I've seen it happen. And, and God doesn't have provision accounts. We are the provision accounts. Um, I, I was reflecting on an uncle of mine. He's uh, 83, not married, no kids. And he's starting to, starting to battle to, you know, to really hold things together. He doesn't have a provision account. I, I am that provision account. I mean, that's, that's my responsibility. So if I don't step into it to meet his needs, he's in deep trouble. That's the same with the church. We are the provision account which the Lord has given to each other. He doesn't have another plan. So I don't think we must read Acts 2 and think, yo, someone sent out a memo here and the Lord is trying to pry cash out of our hands. Um, I, I don't think so. I think the Lord just wants to put something on your heart so that you see into the needs of others um, and find a way of expressing your love and commitment to other people. So let's just uh, wrap it up and, and ask the Lord to say, give me courage to see what you see. Just give me a touch of what is on your heart for other people. Maybe just give me more than I've had before. Not too much that I can't handle, but, but really push the envelope for me. Lord, give me the courage to lay things down. And give me the humility to accept maybe what others offer to me. So let's spend a few moments in prayer as we ask the, the Lord to, to answer that in our lives. Lord, the words of, of, of Gandhi can, can challenge us. Um, that uh, we are often not a great representation for who you are. And we too, we've all been in a case where we look at some of our brothers and sisters and think, mm, Jesus I love, but you are a challenge. So Lord, we just want to give our hearts to you again today. How we know that through the power of your spirit, you work uh, in the hearts of many uh, who are among us here today. We have seen it. And Lord, our prayer this morning is more. Uh, we just ask for more. Make us more aware of what you would have us do uh, for those around us. Lord, help us to love them as you love them. Help us to see their needs and to feel in our hearts, yeah, we love them and we would love to meet those needs. We would love to meet their needs more than many other things we might want to do. So Lord, break our heart with what breaks yours. Bind us together so that as we grow closer to each other, we may be restored to the image of God, to the communion with each other and with you. In your name we pray. Amen.